maybe there's an opportunity there for us to like get to make some make some candles that smell like old books or old comic books. Yeah. So that as <laughs> so that as people start to transition to like reading digitally more and more, they can like light that candle and yep. still smell like uh, still smell like you know the comic books of the eighties. And welcome to the Caption Life, a podcast about the impact of comics and pop culture on life and society. Also about the impact of life and society on comics and pop culture. From deep in the heart of Texas, I'm one of your hosts, Kevin. And joining me tonight is my good friend James from Kentucky. Hello there. And my good friend Sean from Indiana. Hello. All right, so uh, it's been a it's been a long summer, and it's uh, tonight we're recording. It's actually July twentieth, and we set out. I think back in May it was to uh, have a, a quarantine book club. So we were all going to read something, something new that we haven't had a chance to read yet, and we were going to uh, discuss it over a future podcast. The world kind of went crazy during the the last couple of months, and there's been a few things that have gotten into the way. One of those is that we participated in the podcast blackout uh, in support of the Black Lives Matter movement, and so we. We didn't talk for a while, and then, then of course, we the last one that we uh, the last podcast we recorded, we got a chance to talk to Jonathan Bell, which was really great. And so we've kind of pushed our conversation on the quarantine book club, but we're back. We're all read up. We're ready to talk. And so uh, let's uh, let's jump back into it. Remind me, you guys, what it was that uh, that you were you were supposed to be reading, or what you did read. I read the first two volumes of Ultimate X Men by Mark Miller. And I read the Disney Adventures Darkwing Duck giant size comic. That sounds interesting. Oh, that's and awesome. <laughs> I I finally got the hardcover of Heroes in Crisis uh, from Tom King and Clay Mann, a big DC event book from last year. And I read that, but I also doubled back and reread the entire uh, the entire series of. Brian Edward Hill's uh, American Carnage, which was which is pretty good too. So oh, I'm so glad you finally got that one. Uh, you know what? We could start with that. Um, I read that while my wife was at the dentist. I had to drive my wife to the dentist a few weeks ago. Uh, I knew it was going to take a while, and I was the only person in the waiting room because it was a day that they were they were only doing like the orthodont not orthodontist the what do you call it dentist that only does oral surgery endodontist. Mm-hmm. So she ha- she had to have a root canal. So I was the only person there, and I just sat there and I read American Carnage, which which was pretty great. Uh, I read it all in in one sitting. It took me about ninety minutes to to read it all, and I I kind of went slow so that I could like soak it in. I tweeted about it afterwards uh, because I really enjoyed it and I wanted to recommend it. And, and Brian actually uh, retweeted and said that uh, you know with everything going on in the world right now, it was hard for him to recommend the the book to for people to read because it hits really close to home and. I understand that. Like I, I wanted, I want to acknowledge that that you know the book is about a mixed race former FBI agent who is half black, half white, and he he goes undercover in a with a group of radical right wing um, white nationalists, and uh, you know to uncover some some things that are some things that are going wrong. And there's a there's a it's it's a, it's some heavy material. And and Brian is absolutely correct. You know, um, uh, two months earlier. It still would have seemed very timely, but because of the death of uh, George Floyd and and Breonna Taylor and the the Black Lives Matter movement gaining steam in the early su- early summer days, 
Um, it really was, it's a, it's a heavy book to, to sit through, but even though it's a work of fiction, it really is a, a really great mirror for the reality that we, that we live in. And I just, there, there were so many, so many really good, like, there were a lot of great cinematic elements to the story, you know, twists and turns that made it a good read, made it visually entertaining and whatnot. But uh, the story is kind of like a like a throwback to like old noir thrillers, uh, but with a much more timely uh, subject matter. So I, I really mm. enjoyed that. Now, James, you got you've read it too, right? Yes, it's fantastic. It was easily uh, the best series that I read last year when it came out, and I'm over here hoping that uh, Netflix will buy it, or you know HBO or someone will by the rights and do a good adaptation of that because it was just so well done. So mm. I'd like to see if it could go beyond. One of the things that I took away from it, and this is, there's a lot of stories that, that work out this way. Some of my favorite comics are uh, involved like misdirection in terms of who the, the actual villain or the bad guy is and not to spoil it for anybody, but it's a it's a really really good character study about like what makes a character the bad guy and what we define as evil in society versus like what's going on behind the scenes and who who people are and who they're pretending to be it's there's some real deep stuff in there and it kind of hits you it kind of like you know hits you with a gut shot um when you when you realize who when you realize i mean it's not a surprise who the enemy is but when you realize who where the real evil is. Yep. So maybe something a little bit lighter, Sean, tell us about Darkwing Duck. <laughs> uh, I mean, you got Darkwing Duck. I can't really go like really dark with it. Right. <laughs> <laughs> no, but you can get, you can get dangerous. Right, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, Riley has not really seen Darkwing Duck, but he's, Heard the song or the opening so many times that he knows that when it comes on, he knows like you know the "Let's Get Dangerous" part that comes up, right? Mm-hmm. Speaking of the song, we were watching a a, a documentary on Lin Manuel Miranda, who who wrote uh, mm-hmm. Hamilton, his his freestyle rap group that they perform in New York City, and he was talking about like being like what got him on freestyle rapping was the the theme song to Darkwing Duck. Oh, really? Because of the because of the lyric, um, when you're in trouble, you call DW, and he was like, "That's insane that that somebody thought of that rhyme." And then he was like, "Did they create the whole series just so that they could put that song in the in the lyric?" Because because that's something that he would have done. It was it was really really great. But then you think about it, like those songs for people who are our age, roughly mm-hmm. our age, they have a like the nostalgia factor. Uh, the Darkwing Duck for for Darkwing Duck for things like the X-Men theme mm-hmm. or uh, even the DuckTales theme song. Right. Um, those things, like, we, they're, they're just part of, they're, like, ingrained in us. If you if the song starts playing, you're more than likely going to start right. singing. Yeah. <laughs> so. That's cool. Well, I'm going to have to watch that documentary and, and see him talk about that. So It's called um, Freestyle Love Supreme. Is on? It's on Hulu. Hulu? It's on Hulu. It's a Hulu gotcha. exclusive. I'll have to look that up. 
So this one, like this is, I guess, this, the like the first of a series because I know it kind of hang, it ends on not necessarily a cliffhanger, but it clearly doesn't doesn't like wrap up the series. Like there's you know more going to be continue on. But uh, what's interesting with this book is that there's clearly a lot of parallels, not just like obvious thing that's part of like the universe, but as you're reading through it, you know, it's clearly pulling in from real life. So like for example, like Darkwing Duck is clearly. A superhero that's kind of based on, um, you know, the idea of Batman or something like that in terms of all of his gadgets and costume and everything. And and uh, the, the cityscape and everything is just kind of really reminiscent of Gotham City. Um, it's called St. Canard, which, I mean, you know, Gotham City is not St. Canard, but I think if you you know think about it, like there are some parallels in terms of like Gotham City being like gothic and and St. Canard, like, you know, being like a Catholic type of name, um, you know, kind of just stimulates that, that gothicness <laughs> of the series. But then um, it opens up with Drake Mallard, who is the alter ego of Darkwing Duck, going into a Starbucks-like coffee shop. And I forget what the name of it was. It's I, I thought I'd written it down somewhere, but I must have forgotten about it. But so anyway, so there's a lot of just kind of interesting parallels, but... What's interesting is that um, the the whole idea with this comic, with this uh, series, is that it opens up with Darkwing Duck getting into a fight with uh, Megavolt, and then it flashes forward to a year and it says that you know Darkwing Duck had disappeared after that night, and then there's this company called Quackworks where they come in and create like all these um, like crime bots that have like uh, increasingly reduced crime like by like ninety nine percent or something like that. Um, and Drake Mallard, again the alter ego of Darkwing Duck, is working for them, but he clearly doesn't like working for them. He thinks there's a lot of issues with it, and so like he has like this whole outburst of you know saying like you know it, and apparently like everybody that works there also used to be. And law enforcement as well too. So, um, so it's kind of like just like a fun little quirky little like lighthearted comic book um, story that is is kind of nice to get into. But it's just it's interesting that it just has a lot of um, deep parallels in terms of things that goes on in real life and in other comic book series, right? So like the robots, like the crime bots that they have in Quackworks, is like really reminiscent of um, you know Sentinels and X Men. Um, but I think it also kind of gets into that larger theme about automating policing and using like technology and robots because it kind of goes into and starts exploring of like how eventually by the end of this uh, story, the crime bots breaks into Drake Mallard's house for whatever reason. And we don't know why I'm sure it's in the second book basically, but they burst in saying that they're breaking the law when clearly they hadn't broken the law. And so I think it kind of goes into, you know, um, that whole idea later on in the story and everything. But again, you know, something that's Disney related um, that tends to be lighthearted and uh, geared towards kids still kind of implements or, you know, instills a little bit of some of those higher level thinking of or, you know, critiques of society or ideologies and things like that. Um, you know, not not too complex or anything like that. But again, I mean, you know, and not that cartoon shows never do that. I mean, you know, when we look at cartoon shows, they always did that all the time. But um, I think it was just kind of interesting to see it in a comic book as well, too. So. So two things is number one is I don't know. No matter no matter who you are listening to this podcast, I think that uh, something no matter where you stand on you know, uh, your support of police and injustice mm-hmm. or whatnot, I think the whole world can agree that automating or having robots do the police work is is a bad right. idea. Yeah. Yep, right. Ultron. Like, ma- like <laughs> <laughs> for right. one, uh, yeah. Uh, Ultron, yeah, definitely is a is a good example of that. I mean, we're we're one step closer to Arnold Schwarzenegger mm-hmm. kicking your door down with a with a Gatling gun. Right. Um, if you know, as soon as that happens. But the other thing is, is I love the way that uh, the Disney Duck titles parody what's going on in the real mm-hmm. world. Uh, 
the kids and I have gotten into the habit of watching the newer DuckTales series, mm-hmm. um, like before bedtime. And we were watching an episode where the kids got an internship at like a tech business place. And the leader of the tech business was, his name was Mark Beak. I read the, the trivia online about this episode and that's not what his name was meant to be when they started, but they got a cease and desist letter because they had originally made the leader of this tech company, Mark Zuckerberg. <laughs> As a as a play on Mark Zuckerberg, right. and they were like, "No, you can't do that. We're we're we don't want you right. to do that." And you know, I think part of that is because the the character that they were portraying is is a self proclaimed genius and billionaire, but really wasn't wasn't providing anything valuable to society <laughs> at all. And so that's probably why they nixed the idea of using his name in that right. manner. Right. So there's been discussions about using AI or computers to help reduce the. Um, the prevalence of biases because the idea is that if you use computers or AI, that by nature, they're objective and not subjective, like by human nature. And so everyone has been thinking about using this as a way to try to eliminate bias in, uh, in policing. But the more studies that they do in terms of looking at these programs and seeing if they pick up on any biases, the more they realize that you know, the computers and, and AI and codes and stuff like that, they're still picking up biases because they're still created by humans that have inherent biases. And so it's still not going to be a good option unless they figure out a way to eliminate bias in, in people, you know. But by then, it's just like, if, if you're able to figure that out, then why would you even use computers or AI to police the community, you know? It's a, uh, it's a what is it, a cyclical thing. Yep, exactly. All right, James, you read something that is on is on my top five list of all time. I love the ultimate, uh, the ultimate universe, especially the ultimate X-Men. So tell us what you thought of uh, the, the, the initial run of Ultimate X-Men. Okay, so I'm a Mark Beller fan. Like, mm-hmm. he's done some amazing work. Um, you know, Superman Red Sun. Uh, I loved his... Uh, Magic Order that he did for um, Netflix and Image a couple years ago. Uh, like, he does some really great work. I don't know. Ultimate X-Men, I felt a little underwhelmed with it, but I don't know if it was necessarily his fault. You know, the first volume had, you know, Magneto basically trying to take over the the world. You know, that kind of typical thing that we all know about Magneto. And he's foiled at the end. Spoiler alert. What? <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a, at this point, it's like 20 years yeah. old almost, right? Like, I mean, I, it's at least 15. Yeah. So anybody that has, anybody that hasn't uh, read it. I'm not reading it now. <laughs> but you should read it because. I've read it. it yeah. He's, it's actually, it's actually one of my favorite portrayals of Magneto. It's what, one of the reasons that he's one of my favorite bad guys. But there's a scene there where he's, um, where he's talking to terrorists. Mm-hmm some terrorists and he pulls the the guy's uh pacemaker out of his chest like with his magnetic powers and he just drops dead there on the ground that is seriously one of the best death scenes i've ever seen uh in a comic book so well you know i do think that volume one was better than volume two volume one you had you know the stuff with Bagdito trying to get the young x-men team together like that one was okay you know, but volume two was more uh, uh, Wolverine centric mm-hmm. and uh, him trying to figure out where he came from going after Weapon X, you know, all that. And, you know, it just kind of left me wanting more 
with that one, I guess. So maybe it's like a bias of mine. You know, a lot of what mm-hmm. I've read with um, X-Men, it's just um, like it doesn't feel complete for me, I guess. Like, mm-hmm. you know, I kind of take it or leave it, I guess. You know, I've really enjoyed uh, Jonathan uh, Hickman's run. His new, like, X-Men work that he's been doing lately has been really good and, and mm-hmm. kind of been, you know, a little more complete there, I guess, and kind of leaves me wanting more in a good way. So maybe I'm just bringing some biases in, but I don't know. I will say that I think it gets better, especially when you start to factor in that, like the the story where the storyline goes, where um you know they the X Men are a, like a covert superhero team and they work outside of the law, which in the in the Ultimate Universe, all of the Ultimates, the Avengers, are essentially government funded and gov- their agents. And which is which, like you know, you mentioned the work that Mark Millar has done. His work on the Ultimates is, is sort of the basis for the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Um, and he wrote Civil War, which is in the MCU. I and mean, he's the one that made Nick Fury Samuel mm-hmm. Jackson. They, you know, they when they, when they published the book, they asked for his likeness. It tie, I, I think it ties well into that because at the, at one point those two factions go to war against each other, but. It was just, it was, uh, it was always, I, I really liked the way that each of the characters um, throughout the, st- throughout the run, 100 issue run of the Ultimate X-Men had their moment to really tell a story about them. I really liked also like the fact that Wolverine and Cyclops fought over Jean Grey more in the, in this version than they did in any other to the fact where like at, at one point Wolverine leaves uh, Cyclops for dead in a hole. And so that that stuff that stuff all like the personal relationships and whatnot I really really enjoyed uh, on that book and it's one of the few it's one of the few comics that I've read like from issue one to the end of it so I'm glad you gave it a try James I wish well, you liked it more you know maybe like I enjoyed volume one better than volume two so maybe mm-hmm. if I read some more of it like seeing everything kind of as a whole with it might make me think differently of it but yeah. Typically, everything I read by Mark Miller is just fantastic. I've really loved pretty much everything I've read by him. So I was a little like taken aback with this one that I really didn't enjoy that as much as what um, other books that he's done. Like Civil War was just fantastic. I mean, that's a mm-hmm. classic now. Uh, mm-hmm. And the other works that he's done in that universe was just really good. So maybe this was just a thing with me. So you ever wonder when people are very prolific with with writing when they're when they're writing a lot of books if that <clears throat> if that hurts because you know Brian Bendis at at a time at Marvel was writing like I don't know mm-hmm. like ten different books I wonder if I wonder if that I've never had a chance to get into like reading like you know all those books across like continuity or whatever but if really that that plays a role I do know that like if you read. For example, Bendis did the Ultimate Spider-Man, but if you read Ultimate Spider-Man and you read some, you know, of the Ultimate Avengers and the and the Ultimate X-Men, they really do a good job of communicating. They did a good job of communicating that between the writers and building a universe yep. uh, that was was cohesive and was grounded in a different sort of reality than our regular, you know, six one six was. But I do I do think that too, and I think that's a good I think that's a good argument for getting new voices into into comics and having different different people's perspectives and whatnot because you know for a while we had the same like five or six guys mm-hmm. telling every single story it was bendis it was johns it was mark miller it was 
Robert Kirkman and, you know, a handful of others. And they were writing, they were writing every book. And, you know, you're talking about dozens and dozens of titles being shared with, you know, eight to 10 guys. Yeah, because Jeff Johns wrote everything for DC there for a while. And uh, mm-hmm. sometimes I wonder if you're writing a ton of different books, like, can you really give, you know, a hundred percent to each book? And uh, I kind of wonder that from time to time. But uh, one thing that I picked up during um, quarantine, comicsology. You didn't pick up COVID. As I say, you didn't no, pick up COVID-19, no, did you? Not yet. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's the one thing you don't want to pick up during yeah, quarantine. That's the one thing. Uh, comicsology had a Moon Knight sale and put okay. everything on sale. So I got uh, uh, the Moon Knight Epic Collection, vo- Volumes 1 through 3. Uh, mm-hmm which has stuff from uh, the very first story up until about the time that kind of like Bendis took a shot at him. Uh, It's even got some stuff by uh, Tony Isabella in there, who's uh, one of the comic people that blocked me over. (laughs) Blocked you like on Twitter? Because uh, when uh, Brian Hill was doing uh, Batman the Outsiders, like like Mm -hmm. when he kind of got that started with Detective comics tony isabella got like really pissed off about the whole thing and uh uh because of the use of uh black lightning in that book and and i'm just like why is this such a big deal like you know help me understand why this is a big deal to you because he wouldn't he was just mad but didn't have any reasons for being mad and uh yeah he blocked me so it's going to be interesting uh, to oh, yeah. read that. His Twitter, his Twitter thing is Tony Isabella, creator of Black yeah. Lightning. So, yeah, that happened a couple of years ago. I, listen, there are there are a lot of comic book characters out there that could stand to be utilized like more in in teen books and other mm-hmm. things. I would, I wouldn't. I mean, other than we know that the comic book industry is notorious for denying money and credit mm-hmm. to people for their creations. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't why wouldn't you want exposure for your character? I mean, I never cared about the Black Lightning character like much because I hadn't really seen him in, you know, a lot of books when I was growing up and mm-hmm. he hadn't been in a lot of things and uh just the way that Brian Hill kind of put him together kind of was like the teacher of the team just kind of really spoke mm-hmm. to me with that. So, uh but yeah, I bought all those uh, Moon Knight epic collections. I bought the uh, Michael, no, not Michael, Brian Bendis' run with mm-hmm. Moon Knight. And uh, there's a new uh, Avengers storyline by Jason Aaron called uh, Age of Conchu. Con, I can never pr- pronounce that right. Age of Conchu. <laughs> and um, so it's got. Boon not kind of as the bad guy, kind of. It's like, mm. you know, he's trying to save the world, but the way he goes about it is just really weird. Like um, Thanos? <laughs> or, or more a subtle. more <laughs> subtle than that. But, um, <laughs> but, you know, he goes up against um, Iron Fist and Thor and a few other characters in issue one. 
Uh, issue two just came out Wednesday, so I haven't got into that yet. But uh, mm-hmm. so as a Boon Knot fan, I'm really kind of excited to dig into it. Did you pick that one up in like in like yeah. actual print? Okay, but you you got a bunch more things yeah. through Comicsology. They had a so when. When you read the comics online, do you or do you read them like on your computer or do you have a tablet uh, or something a for it? Tablet for it. Uh, I've got a Samsung tab, uh, ten inches. Yeah, and uh, it works great for me, being able to mm-hmm. read them. Cool. And stuff. Do you miss the smell? Do you miss the smell? Uh, <laughs> yeah, of the comic you books? know, it's a little different uh, because they have the guided view. With mm-hmm. it and things, the smart panel, yeah, the smart panel. I love that, it. yeah. But you mm-hmm. know, it's kind of nice too because it leads you like piece by piece through it, right? Maybe there's an opportunity there for us to like get to make some make some candles that smell like old books or yeah. old comic books, <laughs> so that as so that as people start to transition to like reading digitally more and more, they can like yeah. light that candle and still smell <laughs> like uh still smell like you know the comic books of the eighties. Uh, and, we'll, and we'll name them like, and we'll just make a bunch of them and name them after the comics. Like if you want to read, you know, Ultimate Ultimate X Men uh, issue three, <laughs> here's the candle. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, you know, you, obviously you could you know you could do some yeah. colors. So like if you're reading Green Green Lantern or Green Arrow or or anybody green, the Incredible Hulk, you know, obviously you light up a green one and maybe the flame flickers a little yeah. green as well. That's I don't actually, know. Yeah, that's actually a pretty cool idea. I'm sure someone on Etsy is probably doing this right now. <laughs> so they should. You know what? The one Superman candle would smell like hope. Yeah. <laughs> That'd be awesome. <laughs> Truth, uh, justice, and the American way. Batman's would be justice. <laughs> smells like justice. <laughs> Batman's like, like mine smells like justice. <laughs> <laughs> Rob Liefeld smells like extreme. <laughs> De- Deadpool, oh, anybody? Like, <laughs> yeah, like the the Deadpool candle has pouches on it. <laughs> yeah. Oh man! Uh, you know, um, speaking <laughs> of comicsology, so I've actually um, I've been reading a lot of. Um, comics like most of the comics I, I read is usually on my ipad through the marvel unlimited app and a couple other um apps i use but I, I still read the paper comics as well too i go to my local comic shop like probably once a week and get something for myself and something for riley i also found out that there's um a library app called libby are you familiar with that no for i am not yeah, so this is a app that's designed for libraries to be able to offer digital versions of the books that they have. So you can actually go in there and um, connect it to your Amazon Kindle, or I, I think you can read it. You can either read it through the app itself, or you can read it through the Amazon Kindle if you have one and connect it that way. And so you can check out their books, and they give you like three weeks, probably the same as if you check out a regular book. So they give you three weeks to check it out and be able to return it. A lot of digital books and some people have it on hold and everything, but they have comics and graphic novels that you can check out as well too. And so I've actually checked out and downloaded a few of the Superman and DC comics um, that I've been meaning to read and have been able to do that. So it's really kind of nice because I feel like I'm supporting my local library 
Uh, but using the digital version of that and being able to read the comics um, on my iPad and um, doing that through the Libby app as well, too. So I, w- I would say check it out and see what you think, even if you don't want to read your comics on that. But if you're someone that likes to read ebooks or use your Kindle to read your books, I mean, you can read. A, they have like thousands of, you know, hundreds of thousands of options for you to download. But it's all tied to your local library as well, too. So that's the, that's the neat thing about it right. is that it's still kind of communal uh, community based because you're going through your actual library uh in your area and not just you know this resource that um, anyone can access so well and i think that the digital thing has been a, a big boon for for a lot of people since we've been in quarantine and we've had to adjust to you know a different style of life a lifestyle if you will mm-hmm. <laughs> since march but you know, during the last three months, though there 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 was a report that was published that um, the comic book sales and readership in 2019 was up right. over the mm-hmm. the previous year, and and publishers are still trying to figure out ways to get books to people. I know that there's a little bit of shuffle. There was a little bit of a shuffle with you know DC and who they were using for distribution, and of course, comic shops across the country were were closed for a few were for a lot of them were closed for a few weeks, but have since reopened and are doing curbside. But you know, it's, it's important that these, that these stories get into the hands of people who are uh, interested in, in, in reading them. So, and I think digital, digital is probably the the way of the future. Um, I like to have something that I can hold in my hands uh, and, and read but I'm I'm old school like that. I also have a, a very large and worthless DVD collection <laughs> now that uh, that streaming is is taken over. Mm-hmm. But uh, I, you know, if if the grid goes down, guys, I'm I'm your man. I, you can get. I got a library of everything. If we get any uh, EMP strikes, you know you're going to exactly. be our guy. Because, but that's still going to fry right. your electronics, though. An EMP. Yeah. Well. Fry your electronics if it's plugged in. Yeah, like anything. What because if it's, like it's not, it. What if it's what if it's not still, plugged in? Because it's electromagnetism. It's mm. it's still going to wipe out the circuits and everything. So, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So <laughs> you're useless to us, Kevin. <laughs> right. Well, I still got books. I got a lot of books with pictures, Sean. We'll just camp out at your house. We'll drive out exactly. to Texas. I've got. And camp I've, out got in the backyard. I've, I've got. A room you camping out in my backyard in Texas is the worst <laughs> idea for about nine and a half months out of the year. This place is I'm sure. awful. Like, I've got probably the same amount of comics on comicsology that I've got in paper mm-hmm. because there's some that my my local comic shop can't get, right? And then there's some they won't get. And mm-hmm. then they have deals all the time on things that I've missed. Right. Like, um, I got all the Immortal Hulks through, like, Volume 6, and they were, like, $2 each. Nice. Mm-hmm. So yeah. I'm like, okay, you get, like, six or seven issues in, like, that trade collection, basically, mm-hmm. and two bucks, you know, two fifty usually. I spent. Right. I, I think on all the Boon Knight ones I bought, it was like twenty five bucks. But mm-hmm. there's like seventy five individual issues in it, and I'm like, okay, can't, I can't go wrong there because there's a bit of the early stuff I've not ever read because right. it was like before my time. So I can kind of go back and 
catch up and it's cheap and it's a way that, you know, I mean, you can read them on your phone, you can read them online, you can read them on a tablet, you know, mm -hmm. it's an affordable way to get it into people's hands too. And, you know, if you don't have an LTS around, I mean, you can still support right. the creators and stuff that way. So, uh, um, right. Yeah, yep. it's been good. So, you know, as as long as the grid doesn't go down, I think I'll be okay. Right. Start putting them off on paper and stapling it together, James. Yeah, I could. Yeah. <laughs> don't do that, James. I've got I don't have a I don't have enough place to put everything that I have in paper. Uh, it's storage like when you're a when you're a uh, a collector, storage becomes a real nightmare issue for you. And that's why that's why partly I've gone to like just waiting for trades to come out because so that I can put them off on a bookshelf and I can see them because I have all my comics in the filing cabinet behind mm -hmm. me right here and um, they're out of sight, out of mind. So like I have to remember what's in there and go and look for it to read it. And it's I'm not as I'm not as good about reading comics as I am collecting them. And mm -hmm. so don't don't pr don't print them out. <laughs> Just have faith in society that we won't cannibalize each other and electromagnetically nuke <laughs> ourselves. You know, I don't like clutter. Like, I don't like having a lot of stuff. And right. um, mm -hmm. so it's like, you know, my comics, like I've got, you know, my own collection of them. And mm -hmm. then I've got ones that I bought that I read and enjoyed them. That's kind of, I think it would be great for like high school kids. And that's like my school collection mm -hmm. I have. But, mm -hmm. uh you know, there's some people that they just buy comics left and right, and they buy them by right. the truckload. Yep. And uh, I'm like, that would kind of stress me out having that much. Like, you know, it kind of st stresses me out sometimes with the books that I do have. So, you know, yep. the digital and the trades have been kind of really good for me, too, because... Mm -hmm. You know, I can still read it and everything, but it's not floppies. So in a legal filing cabinet like this one, you can get two rows of comics all the way front to back in this filing cabinet. And I have four drawers of that. It's over it's over a thousand comics. And a lot of it is stuff that like I've got to get to the point where like I'm OK with like taking it to school. That's my resolution for this school year is to take several boxes of comics up there for like my students. I want to start a, a comic book club and just have them there for kids to read. Like, you can take it, and if it speaks to you, you can keep it. Like, it's not, you know, if you if you want to bring it back, let somebody else read it and, and do that. And that's because, like, they're not doing anybody any good in this filing cabinet. They're not worth anything. I mean, it's, it's all stuff from, like, the early 90s to 2000 where, you know, there was a big a big spree on speculation. So people were buying up, you know, hundreds of copies of things thinking that the death of Superman was going to be worth ten thousand dollars and put your kids through college and that's just not the case it's worth the same as it was in 1993 or whenever it was that they came out so yeah that's that's my goal and that's why that's why i sent you guys presents because i have way too much stuff and i was like oh look i read this i can i can send it to somebody else to, to read and uh so hopefully when you guys get your care packages you really really like what i sent you i'm sure we will we'll see you know a couple years ago my lcs bought new uh shelving units for their store mm -hmm. and they were getting rid of their old ones like they were in like great shape still it's just they were remodeling and whatnot so they sold me uh two shelves for 50 bucks and these are normally ones that uh i saw online go for like 300 
So mm-hmm. I've got mm-hmm. those in my classroom. So I put my comics out on those. And then, then you know, if a kid gets done early, they can go grab a comic and read mm-hmm. through it. And they do that all the time. So, you know, this coming year is going to be a little different. I don't know if I'm going to have those out or not. I've not decided if I'm going to just bring those comic shelves home for this year to mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. of social distancing and whatnot, trying to, you know, be able to have the amount of kids I can have in a classroom. I don't know exactly how all that's going to work just yet. So mm-hmm. I don't know. It's going to be an interesting year. Okay. Um, listen, I guess the only thing left for us to cover for quarantine book club was what I thought about um, heroes in crisis. Um, it wasn't great. <laughs> <laughs> it was, it wasn't bad. It wasn't great. Uh, we, I guess we talked about this a little bit when, when I messaged you guys, it just, at the end of it seemed very mm-hmm. rushed. And I think that's a byproduct of uh, the comics industry. Whereas, like you know, you you get into telling a story and you you pencil it out over twelve issues, and then the publisher says, "Well, you only got nine now. And you have to figure out how to squeeze everything right. in." And I don't know that that's what happens, but I know that that happens more often than right. not. And um, I think there were some places that they could have gone and and really flushed a good story out, but it you know it wasn't that great, and it wasn't well received when it came out. I just I waited a year to read it so that I could buy it all at once and and read it in. Uh, Read it in a, as close to one sitting as possible, mm-hmm. but hey, that's that's life. <laughs> no, they're not all going to be winners, right? You know, I don't think it was Tom King's best work, but I don't think it deserved as much hate as what it got because because mm-hmm. there were some parts of it that I really liked, like when they were in the um, what was the room called to where they could go and kind of do their confessional kind of thing. Um, mm-hmm. There were some very powerful stuff in there that they had Mm -hmm. but um yeah you like it wasn't great i think it was better than uh tom king's obega men than he did a few years back which was his like green lantern story like i think this was a Mm -hmm. little bit better than that but uh yeah maybe it's another case of somebody who's got too much on the plate you know he's writing uh strange adventures yeah. He's a rock star right now. I mean, he was, you know, he was writing two or three books for them and they were overlapping and everything. And he does it. He has a, he has a brand new one out now, but he's also got the Batwoman or the Batman and Catwoman Whenever series. Whenever that comes out. And I, yeah, so and it's, yeah. Did Tom King block you too, James? Is that why you're trying to trump him up a little bit? So oh, no, he can no. unblock you. <laughs> no, he's, um, you know, anytime that I've, tweeted anything out to tom king like he'll respond Mm -hmm. that's awesome like he's doing uh strange adventures right now which Mm -hmm. uh if you don't want to trade weight for that you need to get on that because it is phenomenal him and uh Mm -hmm. mitch garrett's have teamed up again and uh Mm -hmm. doc shaner is doing part of that too and it's just phenomenal like that's great this is going to be another Mr. Miracle. He also seems like the type of person that would acknowledge that not everything is going to be, is going to go on your yeah. greatest hits right. list. You know what I mean? Right. Like I was trying to explain this to to Matt and he was talking about how he didn't like Adam Sandler movies the <laughs> other day. And like Adam Sandler's got some real stinkers, but you know, he had a, he had a hot streak when, when he first got into the business and that allowed him to be able to uh, pick and choose the projects that he, that he does. And, and now he chooses to, you know, sometimes he makes movies with all of his friends in it, but that keeps people employed, whether or not they're actors but yeah. or, you know, 
people in different parts of the film industry and, and people show up to see those movies. Mm -hmm. So it's, it may not be for everybody, but there's somebody that likes it because they keep, they keep buying right. it. So Tom King legitimately is, is, is like a dude that I think that would acknowledge like, yeah, that not everything's going to be, not everything's going to be a winner. He, he writes for what he thinks is good. And then hopefully, hopefully you, you, you identify with you it know, a little I'm bit. So really intrigued by his, uh, Rorschach series that's coming out in October. Yeah, so since since you bring that up, James, before we jump too far into that, because we're really, really long on yeah, this one and I'll, Sean's gonna I'll have to a heck of a time <laughs> editing it down. Let's do this. Let's make a let's make a blood oath, a brotherhood pact to talk about uh like maybe some of our, our some developments within the comic industry over the last couple of months when we meet again in a week that or so. Fantastic. What do y'all think about that? There's a lot of news there's a lot of news stories. There's a lot of been like a lot of announced series. So I guess if we all come to the table with two or three things to talk about next week, we can uh, we can run through them and and just two or three. Show. Jeez, I'm gonna have to cut that down. <laughs> well, two or three, two or three yeah, a piece. But that's still not like there's been so much. You're, uh, you're really you're really excited. Right. You're really excited about a lot of things, James. You know, I just love. <laughs> hey, well, listen, that's comics, man. Like, yeah, just, <laughs> just, just love, love comics. Love yeah. Comics. What are we doing yeah. this podcast for if yeah. we don't love comics, right? <laughs> yeah. Hey, that wraps up another episode of The Caption Life. We hope you enjoyed this episode. Don't forget to subscribe to this podcast on whatever platform you listen to and follow us on social media at Caption Life. Hey, if you have anything you want to share to us, reach out, leave us a message. You know how to find us. We're here for you. Until next time, Tom, see ya. Don't walk me. <laughs> <laughs> bye bye, HP. Bye.